and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast, Lockdown, and we've, we've brought ourselves to this point, and we've kind of committed to it, so we're going to give you as long as we feel like giving you on the Roy Hodgson era at Liverpool. So to discuss these heady days with me tonight, I've got Dave Caron in Natal in Brazil with a maniac as a prime minister or president or whatever the fuck he is over there, uh, running around crowd surfing. Dave, done much crowd surfing the last while? No, thankfully I haven't been fucking the towel in over a year either. I, I don't live there. I, I, I don't want right. to live there. <laughs> where, is, where, where, where do you live now then? I live in the middle of a jungle uh, in a wee place called Pipa. Oh, Pipa. Okay. Tiny tiny little village that is closed off to civilization at the moment. Um, That's we have a road stop. Nobody's allowed in unless you live here. Uh, we don't have coronavirus yet, uh, but we're not going out. And I'm fucked off. And I don't know what day it is. And I don't know what my name is. And I'm losing grip. <laughs> it's Wednesday in your day, and you can get a grip um, for the next. Thanks for that. <laughs> Forty-five minutes anyway. Um, Chief, I'm getting Neil Patterson out in, out in Berlin. Chief, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, all right, man. Uh, nice to be on. Slightly better than Dave, but not much. You got I mean, Merkel. You're all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, things are, uh, you know, I guess we've got the best of a of a of a bad situation, but um, to be fair, starting to great as well. Like um, one day's running into the next, as we discussed earlier. But um, yeah, good to be on again. To be chatting about, uh, well, what was thankfully a very fucking brief era. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was brief. It was. It was brief. Um, Short and not very fucking sweet. No. So we will begin, and we'll begin by setting the scene a little bit, and we finished off with with Rafa's time taking a downward spiral in our last episode, and. What we touched on was the cracks beginning to show from from the Hicks and Gillette era. And we'll just remind ourselves by discussing that um, Tom Hicks and George Gillette came in. It was a leverage spy out at the time. Um, They had disasters in Brazil, which you might want to look into with Corinthians prior to this. Um, In which case, they somehow managed to get a club that had never been relegated in their history, relegated within like about three days. And... We were reassured by, by David Moores, uh, who sold the club for £88 million, pounds, that, that these were the right guys to take us forward. Um, they made such statements like um, there would be a shovel in the ground for a new stadium to be built within 60 days of them taking over. I think we're still waiting on that shovel. In fact, we're still at, at Anfield, um, you know, 13 years later. And then in 2008, the recession hit, and as they're whole buyout was built on debt um, and capital and interest payments, etc. The shit started to hit the fan. And we had such other mad... Like, do you remember, like, Dave, do you remember the madness? Do you remember George Zillette came on TV and he was sitting with his Liverpool mug and he did this like, interview from his home about how people were mean and that they were doing their best and all this sort of shit? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And, and, and at that time, I, I believe they were giving Rafa Benitez a transfer budget of 10 million and whatever you sell there, Rafa, good luck, because that's all you're getting. And, you know, you talk about their, their effect. Their effect on the club was massive, but their effect 
at that time, you know, I think you touched on it a little bit in the last pod, you know, the, 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 how we viewed Rafa, like I wanted Rafa out, not because I disliked Rafa, not because Rafa had enough and I didn't think his head could cope with it anymore. And the, you know, but, but, but like what he faced at Newcastle, um, last season, you know, that, that he just wasn't getting the back and it wasn't the same. I'd watched us go out of the Champions League that season. Um, I'd, I'd gone to the game in Florence. And it was horrible. The atmosphere was horrible. The, the fan base was completely and utterly broken. You know, you were either pro Rafa or against Rafa. And the majority of guys like me who, who, who wanted Rafa to go was for his, for his own good, for his own sanity. But there was another person who thought he, he, he was part of the problem. So there was this, it was almost like three factions in the fans. And it was, it was ferocious and it was horrible. But the, you know, if you, if you take it all back, the root of it all, was those two cowboys and and you know what they 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 were asset strippers basically that's that's what they were to, to give them their proper description Dave we knew there was we knew it was an issue and and we talked about Benitez making very public that he had issues with his owners and uh, with his I will uh, I will focus on coaching and training my team interview chief we talked about that in the last one I found it absolutely hilarious because. Well, he was absolutely right in the point that he was making. It was just in typical Rafa style. And Rick Parry walked February 2009. He was citing, a, citing a, a, his role to be untenable at the time. And if you remember, Chief, like February 2009, they were about to become what we thought, or certainly at the time, some of the most exciting days in recent Liverpool history and some of the best football and probably the best team that we had seen up to that point in certainly probably well probably two decades. Absolutely. It seems seems kind of a strange time time to go, but um you know I don't think many of us really noticed it at that that stage to be honest. Uh certainly people maybe closer to the to the to the locale to to the city itself probably would have had more of a more of a feeling for what was going on in the boardroom than than maybe fans from from further afield. But you know, like you say, February two thousand and nine, we're we're gunning for a Premier League title um, potentially. Anyway, we're certain we're certainly in a race for it. Like it's it's our best season as we discussed on on the raffle pod. Uh, so our best. Attempt at um, at a at a at a title push um, in 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 twenty years at that stage. So um, so yeah, it's one of them. But um, we ended up with Perslow, didn't we, as our chief executive after that? And we know how that went, which was was not good. So yeah, it, it's a real strange situation. I think actually by the beginning of. The following season, when when Hodgson's in charge, when he comes in, I think the bank is actually kind of taking control, haven't they? And they're they're looking for a, a buyer for the club. Basically, the, the trajectory during the Hicks and Gillette time was was a downward trend, but from this moment, from the beginning of this season with with Hodgson, it it went straight down it wasn't a, you know it wasn't at an angle well, it was, it was... sort of managed to, to to kind of hold things together and his success had held things together but not getting the champ i think it's not getting the champions league money that year not finishing seventh and out of the champions league places scuppered them they couldn't service their debt anymore 
and and people started their their creditors started to call it in. You're absolutely right, Chief. Um, April 2010, we're getting towards the end of the season. As Chief says, it's the seventh place finish. That that's what it's going to be. Uh, we've got the likes of Sartorios, Kyriakos, Liverpool legend. Wasn't actually bad, but he was bought as an upgrade for a team that nearly won the league the year before for 1.5 million pounds. And you're looking at that and you're thinking to yourself, this probably isn't really the trajectory that we were looking to go on here. And then in April 2010, RBS gets wind that Hicks and Gillette, whose relationship, if you remember, Dave was very fractured at this point as well. They'd had a very public fallout. Um, they weren't their, speaking, were they? they weren't, sorry? They weren't speaking. They weren't on speaking terms. They they wouldn't even be in the same room as each other. And again, that just go it just goes to highlight the absolute chaos that was going on in the backgrounds. And and RBS essentially then came in um, April 2010 and identified that Hicks and Gillette had turned down a bid of 118 million. And bear in mind they bought the club for 88 million, 118 million pounds for a 40% share of the club from an American company, American investor, and they turned that down. And RBS seemed to have lost their patience and said, right, you've got six months to repay the debt. Um, well, they, they had a debt of 350 million, Dave, to be fair. And at that time, you know, you're talking 20 years ago for football, that was a very sizable debt. And, and what's more, you know, you, you cite the, the losing out in the Champions League money and going into the Europa League for, for, the, for this season coming. Uh, after we had traditionally been a Champions League year after year. We may have got there through fourth place, Dave, but we're always in the Champions League. This was the first season that we didn't um, under the Rafa era and whatnot, and it started to feel very different. And then, you know, you had all that boardroom chaos going on. They weren't talking to each other. It was clear they had absolutely no interest in winning anything at Liverpool. They were there to basically strip back the assets for, for, for as much as they could take out of it and run the company on debt. Yeah, absolutely. And this was their MO and this is what they did. So, Chief, January, uh, July 1st, sorry, July 1st, 2010, after Rafa's been sacked, I think Fulham had had a decent run. Had they got to the final of the Europa League? Yeah, they, they'd gotten to the final and been beaten. They finished ninth. He'd done well at Fulham. He'd he, taken them from kind of flirting with relegation to finish um, sixth or seventh. And uh, then, the, so they qualified for uh, the UEFA Cup or the Europa League, and they got into the final, uh, but they got beat by Atletico. So then um, we we signed him, and uh, we, we we took Hodgson, and seemed like I think sort of a kind of a safe pair of hands at the time for the for everyone involved, because like I said, I don't think at the beginning of, of when Hodgson was actually appointed and stuff around that time, I don't really think Hicks and Gillette were were actually in charge of the club anymore. I think the banks had sort of taken over. I think the administrators, not the administrators, but the the, the, the people who were facilitating the sale and, and looking to move the club on were 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 um were doing that because it was very, very soon, very, very shortly into the season, just a couple of months that actually FSG kind of uh, went to court and 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 got the right to buy Liverpool and, and, and bought Liverpool, but but yeah, Hodgson came in off of really off the back of um, that success with Fulham, and he might I think he may have won 
he may have won LMA Manager of the Year that year. He did. He won it hand, hands down. Apparently, I was checking this earlier. But, he, he, but, uh, but we were sniggering at that. You know, that, that was that was like a national joke. Yeah, well, totally because, because I know it was one of them. I think I said a pre-pod. There were already people who were very unhappy with the Hudson appointment. And the the best that anyone, anyone that I spoke to, any Liverpool fan I spoke to, any of my mates, anyone at all, any, anyone that you were sort of in contact with at those times on the odd forum or whatever, the best anyone could come up with was, well, you know, we've got to give them at least a little time and, and see. But nobody was happy. Not one fan was like, yeah, this is great. This is a good move. Level manager in Rafa Benitez. We've gone from a, a you know, a title winning manager, a Champions League winning manager to, to, to Roy Hodgson. Who, who was manager of the year the season previous, but not one of us felt that that would kick us on. Not one of us felt that that would have a, a, a bouncing effect forward. Every well, one of us be- believed we were going down the fucking tubes. Totally, it was not a step. It was not a positive step, was it? Nobody and 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 sit, I mean, perhaps people didn't realize. Well, I think at the time, Neil, it, it, it was described as a safe pair of hands after Rafa Benitez going with the uh, financial crisis going on, um, you know, worldwide, and the financial crisis within the boardroom of Liverpool. This was deemed as here's old solid Roy. He's going to come in and steady the ship for us. Well, it was a. Bit, I think what we was almost our David Moyes moment, wasn't it? Yeah, I think what we feel to remember is, is Roy was and always has been very much the media's choice and the press's choice and certainly the Southern press. And why shouldn't he be given a big job? And, you know, well, he, des- he deserves this. And actually, that's more to do with the fact that apparently he's a very affable character and he's, he's very well liked amongst the press. But actually, when you look at it in the cold heart, the cold light of day, he has had like a 35-year managerial career or however long it is, and he has never won a trophy. He's never really managed at the top level apart from a brief brief stint at, at Inter Milan. And we're looking at what had come previous, and we're looking at Rafa Benitez, who has won multiple European trophies, and we're looking at even Julier before that, who gave us that treble season, and the history of the club. And this seemed, and it stank of mediocrity, no, hundred percent. And you're right. He had never won really a meaningful trophy, not to not to do down Scandinavian league titles, but yeah, Swedish Swedish titles in in the seventies and eighties are are not really you know what you what you're going to hold as a as a measure for for someone to become Liverpool manager. And and it is a, it was was pretty much out of left field to be fair because. He had actually only just come back to, to, to English management with Fulham. He'd been been away for for years. He'd been managing Switzerland. He'd been managing Finland. He'd been been all over. And you know, he'd come back with Fulham, done a reasonable job there. Well, a pretty good job for Fulham, but you know, he's an, he has his own niche. Neil, I think is what you're saying. He can take the likes of you know Switzerland at that time and Finland at that time, and, and you know. Swedish teams and, and apply a professionalism that he learnt through the English game, which maybe wasn't there at, at those times. You're talking about the 70s and whatnot. It was a step up in coaching for them. But that didn't mean to say that he could do it at the very top level in England. No, I think no, that's the well, difference. He never, and he never really evolved. I mean, he, he had he had limited success at Inter as well. I mean, he, 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 
he took them up the league and got them into Europe and and his inter team ended up winning the UEFA Cup, but he'd he'd actually already moved on by that stage. I think he'd, he'd taken them as far as the semis, but he moved on to Blackburn. Then he got Blackburn relegated pretty much, didn't he? Or he got fired when they were bottom of the league. And it looks like from from I read a bit on um, LFC History, which is a great site, LFChistory.net. Um, I read a bit about Roy Roy Hodgson's um, actual career. And it, it looks like he never really got over his Blackburn the days, like where, where he ended up unceremoniously booted at Christmas with them floundering in, in, at the, at the foot of the Premier League. Um, it sort of seems to have been very much a, a backward, backward, um. No, but Neil, here's, a, here's the thing. Here's a kicker. Here's a kicker for the whole thing. He never struggles to find a job ever. <laughs> you know, I'm just want to say that there is a there is a Hodgson niche. I think that's what it, what I'm trying to put across. Well, yeah, there's a niche. It's, you could call it a niche. You could call you could you know bring in what what Dave says there. He has this image, doesn't he? It's about an image that that he's managed to carve out for himself, and as a you know as an affable, learned, well travelled connoisseur and kind of student of of football, and really his. I, if truth were told and that were all stripped away, is his actual tactical style and, and, and approach hasn't evolved since he won league titles in the, in the eighties, um, with, with, in, in Sweden. Um, but yeah, the, the, I mean, that was something else that was mentioned in the, in the, in the, in the kind of profile on, on LFC history that there's never, never has been a shortage of jobs for him and he's managed all over and, and they're, He's still in a job at the moment, as we speak, and doing fairly well. Um, fairly well, what would you say? Doing averagely, doing. Well, he's he's stabilised. Palace. Um, Every, everybody stabilised. Palace. He's our Palace. He's, he's literally just being Roy Hodgson, and he's, yeah, now he's being Roy Hodgson. And what he did, what you're right in saying is he has this niche. That he carved that out really. And he, and he has that he he has the, the sort of perfect kind of club that um, he can do decently for, and that sort of is a Palace or a Fulham. Yeah, or and here's the here's the the issue, Neil. He came to Liverpool thinking that he was on that same brief, and certainly when you see him sign a player like Christian Paulson, who I, to me is the worst abomination I've ever seen in a Liverpool shirt. Is the worst player I have ever seen in a Liverpool shirt. Well, Dave, you know we'll we'll take a look at that now, and and there's a few contenders in this list. I'm just about to read you out. Uh, not really. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know about there's, that. There's other badges of shame, but Paulson's miles above. I don't know. I think Joe Cole in a Liverpool shirt is 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 right up there. Joe yeah, Cole at least my, had a myself, career. Myself, <laughs> yeah. there's another one. There's another one. I'd be that enough, but I just want to take take a look yeah, yeah. at. I just want to take a look at uh, at a few quotes, um, and I'll 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 just I was kind of looking at at the various different things that Roy Hodgson said, and I think this really was the the the, the final nail in the coffin, or, or a number of nails went in every time he opened his mouth. He seemed to make things worse for himself. So the fourth of July, he com- he comes in and he says he likes a high tempo pre- passing game. All the things I've always liked are things Liverpool were famous for in their heyday. Pass and move, always move it quickly. Once you lose it, get it back, get back to position. And um, this was the mantra which took them through their great years. Blah blah blah. High tempo, all those are his principles. And 
Well, we're listening to that and we're, we're thinking to ourselves, well, actually, they're not really, that's not really what, what we what we know about you. And then we looked at the, the business in the transfer market. So Joe Cole's come in. And Joe Cole, a little bit of an enigma. It, it kind of got phased out under Mourinho at Chelsea and then it, it kind of fell apart for him a little bit. There was a player there, Dave. I think that's that's what you're trying to say. We we had seen a player. We'd seen a player who could, could maybe do a job for us and we hoped we, that that's the way it would be. And this isn't, Hodgson's fingerprint isn't on him anyhow. No, not necessarily. But Joe Cole was, was a very talented footballer um, who probably lacked the discipline um, to really make it at the top. We get Danny Wilson from Rangers. Anybody remember him? Um, we got, let's see, Christian Poulsen come in from, Ju- from Juventus for four and yeah. a half million pounds. But Juventus, Juventus had paid 10 million pounds from the season before. There was a big fucking warning there. Yeah, uh, we got famously we got Brad Jones. Remember Brad Jones? Like, wor- like, is he the worst goalkeeper to play for Liverpool? He went off to win in Holland. It was quite. I know, <laughs> I know. And that other fellow, Peter Galaxy, do you remember? He was shit. He's been playing. He's been doing he this for, Leipzig for Leipzig. the last five Leipzig. years. Yeah, he's Leipzig starting keeper. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a toss up there. As as is he the worst goalkeeper ever to play for Liverpool? Then we got um, we got Morelles, who actually wasn't a bad signing. But again, something else Hodgson said about Morales was, you know, I'm not quite sure what to do with him yet. You know, we'll see and train him what his best position is. And you're thinking, so he sold him to f- Chelsea. <laughs> but we're thinking, what the fuck are you buying him for if you don't even know where he plays? It, it wasn't his signing, was it? I mean, Hodgson's prints are all over Poulsen. They're all over Kincheski. Um, You know, they're they're as you said, they're not on Joe Cole. That was done. Perslow did that and wanted to credit for that whether he actually did it but but he wanted to take the credit for it um <clears throat> and you know Morales looks like it's being done over over Hodgson's head as well because he plays him on the right wing and it, it really doesn't work for him it's not until Hodgson gets the boot that Morales comes good because he gets Kenny plays him in the center um and then he plays well for six months and then he fucks off um so that that's one of them. Um, but yeah, Hudson didn't really know what he was doing in in in, in the transfer market because the ones that were his were all wrong. You know, Poulsen was mentioned could be the worst ever signing, perhaps. You know, who knows? There have been a few to be fair over the years. I mean, Bernard Diamy, anyone? The no, winger. But, uh, yeah, but at the time, it sort of signified how far we'd fallen, Neil. To me, at that time, the Kondieski and um, Poulsen signings were just like, holy fuck, is this how far? Is this really how far we've but, fallen? And the, and the scary thing was, it was in such a short space of time. Yep. And this is what I say, you know, it was a downward trajectory, but all of a sudden it seemed to be a cliff face where we're falling off. And well, it, the, think about it, we're, we're second, we're 88, was it 88 points we got? We finished second. 86, 86 points, 80, I think, yeah. 86 points, we finished second. And within 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 eighteen months, within fifteen months, we're in the relegation zone with Paul Konjeski and fucking Christian Poulsen lining up for us. This is why I don't think there's any comparison between David Moyes' era at Man United and Hodgson's at ours, because that's you know 
uh, Moise's era there is nowhere near. They're nowhere near the bottom when he it's takes not over. As we are, catastrophic. We right. are at Perfect. the fucking pits of it. But he whenever. takes them. He takes them from first to eighth. We go from seventh to wherever we are. Like well, we're we're seventh to seventeenth or something. And again, just another couple, uh, another couple of of quote, and we'll get to them, but. Um, we, we start the season and we, we draw 1-1 with Arsenal somehow because they batter us. And I'll tell, tell you what, on that Arsenal game, this is this is something, because I remember it quite vividly. And Gog scores a great goal that day. 100%. And we I should, think I might we actually should win that, that game. game. We should win that game. We play well. We play better than them. Joe Cole gets fucking sent off for a ridiculous fucking ridiculous lunge. Up in the up in the corner in in the attacking half too, I think. Yeah, yeah, in a, in about the seventy fifth or the eightieth minute or something, and he's only I think he's only come on as a sub. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he starts, but he gets sent off for a ridiculous lunge in a stupid position with no danger whatsoever in the right in the attacking end, right in the top left wing, and we then concede like a last minute fucking comedy. Goal where it bounces off the post and hits the arena and, and bounces in. And that's how we start the season. And that just sums up the entire Roy Hodgson time at Liverpool. We were just. I would have considered that a high point, actually, Neil. <laughs> but we were just, I mean, even when it, even when we're, even when something looks like it's going well, we couldn't. We could, we were just, there was just something wrong. And from that very first game, it just went from bad to worse. Like, yeah, and you know, we we go away to City, we get hammered, we 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 beat West Brom, and um, we move we move into September, and it, it's typical, you know, draw, lose, win, uh, and that's kind of the way. That's kind of the way it continues. Yeah, I think if you're going if you're going to move to September, I think it's worth mentioning. It by September, we were all up in arms. There wasn't anybody who wasn't up in arms, and the whole Rafa thing was then, you know, exacerbated by the fact we were all up in arms over Hodgson. I think the, the state the fan base was in. It was nearly uh, coming to blows sometimes in, in, in my friend group at home. That's how that's how deep it ran. Yeah, and I think after the after the jumping jumping off point with Benitez, we really needed something to unite the club, and there there's a comparison. To be made to when Benitez left, as to when Rogers left, we had that real high of a season. We nearly won the league. Circumstances transpired the following year when you hope to kick on. That actually you take a massive, massive dip in performance and, and points and and basic standard of football, and then the manager goes at the end of the year or close to the end of the year. And then what you need is you need somebody to come in and you need somebody to unite the fan base because they were both so split in both those occasions. And Klopp came in and united the fan base. And on this occasion, Roy Hodgson came in. And he also united the fan base. But in hate. In <laughs> hatred and resentment and complete disbelief at where we had come from because it seemed like a million miles away. But as Chief put earlier, as Chief put earlier on, we had literally 15 months ago, we were coming, we were at the pinnacle of an era that had reached two European Cup finals, won the European Cup, finished second in the league, 
had one of the best ever Liverpool landers you're likely to see. We'd won the FA Cup, we'd competed in another couple of finals, and we were serial quarter-final, semi-finalists in the Champions League and serial top four finishers. And all of a sudden... All projects and eras come to an end, Dave, and that one just happened to come to a very, very messy end. Messy, but I think abrupt. There was no time for for people to sit back and take stock of, of where we of where we were. And you know see if we move into September there's a nil nil with Birmingham and then we go to Old Trafford and The Berbatov hat trick. The Berbatov hat trick and we touched I think we remember talking about this a while ago, but that game finishes three two and we're never in that game. No. Not two goals, isn't it? It's a penalty and a free kick, low yeah. free kick, isn't it? Uh huh. And um, we're never in that game. It's two set pieces, and leading up to that game, again, there's the there's the quotes, the um, the Torres quotes. Well, it's after the game, isn't it? Is that, it after the game? After, yeah, it's after the game because Ferguson accuses Torres of diving. And Hodgson goes along with it, basically. In, he in, never went against Ferguson ever. He he, he 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 gets it brought up to him in the interview. He says Alex Ferguson said this. Uh, so basically, yeah. So basically, what he says is, I have it here. He he basically says that uh, so Alex Ferguson's entitled to any opinion he wants to have. Yeah. Um, after he accused him of diving. Um, I prefer to talk about the game and talk about issues that interest me. So Alex is entitled to any opinion he wants to have, but I'm not going to come here and say I agree or disagree. Exactly. Um, I thought the referee refereed the game very well, and I have a very ambivalent attitude to those type of things. And what you want as a fan, as a player, is for your manager to come out and defend you and defend the club and against their biggest a, rivals, Dave, as well. That's right. Yeah, he can yeah, just most, come out and say Fernando Torres doesn't dive like Klopp said, Sadio Mane doesn't dive. You know, it's one of them. It's 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 what you do. And you so I I flagged it right at the time. I remember watching the interview and that's why I knew it was, was in the interview and, and that they brought it up to him and and that he 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 said something basically along those lines of I'm not I'm being completely non committal and I'm basically gonna go along, I'm not gonna argue with Sir Alex Ferguson. He said I think he goes on to say he'll hopefully have a nice glass of wine with him or whatever, like it's fucking it's ridiculous, it's disgusting. And that was the moment, I mean, obviously you were against him anyway, but that was the moment I completely just turned and was just like, no, he's got to go. He's got to go. We can't have this. And, you know, luckily it didn't last that long, but, um, but he was, he was totally, totally the wrong fit. You know, he signed the wrong players as, as Dave mentioned earlier, as you mentioned earlier, went through the list. He, his man management of the players that he had inherited was awful. He made them all worse. We were we went away to Everton and lost two 0 We were beaten with uh, with with well over half an hour to go. We didn't lay a glove on them. And Hodgson came out and said it was one of our best. It was our best performance of the season. And a win a win at Goodison would have been heaven for the fans. Or paradise fans or something. 
you know. And I think you know his time there was the final nail in the in the Torres coffin. Um, you know, well, this is this is a thing, Dave, isn't it? That well, Torres yeah. uh, got to the point now where, where Torres wasn't the same player as he had been, and whether it was injuries, whether it was confidence, whether it was mood, and you know, you can imagine being, you can imagine. It was a we long all, way back for him. You know what I mean? He he had been there, got second in the league, and 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 I don't necessarily, you know, it, it was a terrible, hurtful transfer whenever it happened. We all, we, hindsight being a wonderful thing, Dave. You look at it, and you look how far down we are at this point, and the road back. You maybe can't blame Tars, and in the end of it all, it worked injury, out perfect for us. Didn't the injury in the 2010 World Cup? Didn't that? Didn't that do him? That was wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the thing was that we were desperate to have him play, and he can. We were in. playing him through. We were playing him. Hodgson was playing him when he shouldn't have been. We were rushing him back week after week. And yeah. what we were doing, we were rushing him back into an environment where I am sure that he didn't want to be in because he was undoubtedly as he was most it. Of the, of most he of was the, it. Well, <laughs> undoubtedly, as most of the players would have been feeling the same way the fans were feeling the same way that we were feeling that how the fuck how the fuck are we here now how the fuck did we get to this point and what's happened here am i in a parallel universe yeah how is this all falling apart so quickly you know i, I remember i remember the days where we were we were playing in the european cup and i was scoring goals away in inter away in inter milan and um you know we were hammering real madrid and, and tanking Man United at Old Trafford, and all of a sudden, I'm showing up here, playing through an injury, to get beaten away at Everton, and from a manager to tell me that we've all played well, and that's that's the expectation that this club has now. And you can imagine the levels of motivation that he would have had, and within his performances, that was very very evident. And the thing at the time was, guys, that Torres was between Torres and Gerrard, and I think wasn't Mascherano still there? Yeah, well, he forced a move, didn't he, at the start yeah. of that season? Yeah, and between the three of them, we were looking at them going, "We can still hang our hat on these guys and say we're still we're still a major player. We've still got that." But we couldn't with with, with Torres completely unfit most of the time and not really able to gain that full fitness again. Yeah, we, but we got but him back. Want... We got him back for one big game, didn't we? He played against Chelsea and he scored two two goals and we beat them. Two great goals as Two well. Two great goals, and then, of course, that was, you know, then he signed for them a couple of months later, didn't he? And I think that the rumblings of the Chelsea interest were already there, and I remember at the time being, oh, actually, he's come on there and he's played a world because he's trying to get his move to Chelsea. Well, as they I, think, I think it's as it's, it's well mentioned, and, you know, we got 50, 50 million for Torres. Lowe's us 50 million, didn't they? Uh, yeah, but but listen, if you take fifty million, what it was worth then, and translate that to today's money, and you see, you know, like we sold Coutinho, and look what we did with it. Look what we did then with the fucking fifty million, and that was that was just shows you. I mean, that that's for another pod actually, because that that yeah, that's... yeah, it is. actually it's the the next transfer window. <laughs> yeah, so I think we we sold a player, we sold a player essentially that wasn't worth fifty million pounds. And we were we were grossly over we were grossly overpaid okay. for that. But I think we used to hang our hat on Torres almost the same way United fans have continued to hang their hat on Pogba. Although at least we had the evidence there that he was a world class player for this club. Where 
he was injured, he wasn't available when he played, he wasn't great. He'd still put the odd performance in against the big teams like Pogba did at City that time, like Torres come on did at Chelsea that time. And we would continue to to hang our hat on him as this is why we're still relevant. He always had a puncher's chance, you felt, when he was in the team. Because he's a match winner. And he was a match winner. And he would score goals. But in hindsight, that was just... uh, It was a a mirror image, um, an embodiment of everything that was going on, on and off the pitch in the background. And as Chief says, the derby, we get beaten. It's the best we've played this season. He then goes on to admit that we're in a relegation battle. And... yeah. Don't, don't forget the mighty Northampton as well, which is oh, that is deeply offensive. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll League Cup exit. Ford, yeah, we we get two 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 uh, full time result, and we got extra time, and um, we get beat on penalties. We go in, and he calls them formidable. Formidable. A League then Two there's side. Home, there's home defeat. Uh, there's home. Is it a home draw against Wolves or a defeat? I think it's. I think it's a, it's a home defeat against Wolves. And he says, um, he calls out the fans and says, expecting to beat um, lower level op- opposition or, or bottom of the table opposition is disgusting and, and arrogant. And maybe but, the fans... But Neil, by, the, by this stage as well, Anfield had started to fucking empty. Let's not forget exactly. that it wasn't sellouts yeah. anymore. Well, there was there was thirty there was thirty five thousand people showing up. Results like this, maybe the fans should get used to results like this. Yeah. In other words, down downgrade your expectations. Um, yes, we've got a half empty stadium. That's where it's going to lead us. And um, you know, there was what you're saying, Dave. Is there was ten thousand empty seats? And ten thousand empty seats in, in a football stadium is not. It's and it's not something not, we've ever heard of in Liverpool either. You know, well, like five, five, six years beforehand, we were fighting for fucking tickets. Yeah, I, 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 I remember. I remember paying 150 pounds for a ticket because I got let down for tickets. Me and my mate, and we ended up getting two tickets in the Derry Club for a United game. In fact, I think it was the game that it might have been the game that Owen. It was the game that Owen came back, and it was the. I think it was the Engog breakaway goal. Do you remember? I think that was the same game. We won 2-1. I think we won 2-0. Carragher, 2-0. Ab- Carragher absolutely emptied Nanny. Um, but that, that was, that was when, when United rocked up and you expected to beat them and the manager would, the manager would demand that you yeah, beat them. Yeah, that was when you we had a manager the, demanded to be the best. And, and that was, that was essentially, that's always been Rafa's stumbling block with any ownership. He demands to be the best and he, he will tell you what he needs to be the best and nothing less than the best will do. And this is where the breakdown happened. And this is essentially what we had transpired to, is we transpired to a team that would just make do. And like you say, the Wolves game, we've got to start to get, expect results like that. And this fucking manager of Proof Football Club, Roy, you can't and, say and, stuff and what like this that. Is- what it did as well, it, it, it thrust the spur of the Shankly basically upwards. So they became very relevant after all this. They, they, um, had protests and everything at games. You know, there was, we, it was the first time I've ever seen Liverpool fans really protest the club, if you know what I mean. Well, that was really against Dixon Gillette, wasn't it? Spur of the Shankly really. Well, uh, the, the, the club, you know, it, it, yeah, they were the club at the time. And I think Hodgson, Hodgson, Hodgson embodied their approach at the time. Whether he was their appointment or not, I think isn't probably relevant 
Yeah, in the spirit kind of, of the in the spirit of that particular it's moment, Chief. It's kind of a strange quirk of history. You're absolutely right. He he did kind of embody them, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't actually their appointment. But um, he was, but he was seen as kind of a safe pair of hands, as you mentioned earlier, and someone who could perhaps <clears throat> deliver relative success on a limited budget, given the the way things were. Obviously, that wasn't the case. He delivered an absolute disaster. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, it, it's kind of, but it's kind of a, a a strange quirk of quirk of fate that that they kind of intertwine so well. <laughs> And he did symbolise there. I mean, it was kind of the final throws of, as we said, it's the low point of of Liverpool's history. So the final throws of kind of a once great um, institution that was really crumbling at that point and and looked to be in in serious trouble. But actually, it's interesting that that this is exactly around the time when FSG actually take over. And and we mentioned the derby already, but it's significant not just for what for the result, the performance, and, and what Hodgson said. But it's significant because it's it's FSG's first game in charge, and, and John W. Henry is at Goodison Park watching that. Um, so he's under no illusions from a very early point um, that Roy Hodgson is, is not popular with, with Liverpool fans and, and that they've got a, a big job on. But yeah, Neil so- as well, they, they, they came in, and I think it's worth mentioning, you know, with, with transition there, and and basically it was the speed of the FSG takeover that was, to me, was it sticks out in my mind as breathtaking, because it wasn't there one day, and the next day John Henry was walking out as Liverpool owner, and we'd never heard of them the day before, and the next day it appeared that, that, that they had bought the club. It was so... Under the, it was under the radar. I don't think anybody. It was. Saw it, it was a bit it. like. It was a bit like the way we sound players, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's obviously the way that that Henry works, very much under the radar until he's ready to make his move. But once he makes his move, everybody knows about it. At that time, Dave, that was in October, and you remember the, the protests outside the courts, and you remember the the yeah. the fans and Spurs charity group out, outside the the courthouse and. They were very much against this Hicksons, and they, they fought this tooth and nail, and that galvanised the fan base against them even more because we at the point where we were just like, you've done enough damage, look at, look at where you brought us to, and you just won't let go. You know, and there was a, there was a fear also at that time. You know, they they were threatening counter challenges and all the rest of it, and they were going to sue and the, you know what they were not going to do, Hicks and Gillette, you know, to FSG, but in the end, it was all just fucking hot air. And, and nothing really transpired, but there was a there was a there was a couple of months where you just worried, you know, could there be recourse here? You know, could they actually get back in again? You know, because the noises that Hicks and Gillette were making obviously uh, were, you know, very much pro themselves, and um, and it did leave you with a, with a slight worry. You know, that there was still bits of this business that needed sorted. Yeah, and Steve, I think we were all I think we were all still a little bit suspicious because. These were just more American owners and, you know, once bitten, twice shy and all that. And I think everybody was a little bit, a little bit cautious about, about that whole thing because American ownership, again, it wasn't something that was, it's not common in the game now and it was even less common back then. So the only real reference point we had was the mess it would fucking come from. Yeah, well, to be honest, generally American owners haven't 
covered themselves in glory in the Premier League as far as I... They've failed to get it, Neil. I think that's the... the, well, the, the... I can remember now the ones that I can pick out. Now, the United, you, you've got the Glazers. They, they've they done basically what um, what Hicks and Gillette have done pretty much. Successfully, but, though. <laughs> successfully, yeah, because they've managed to, to stay in the competitions. Plus, they had a sounder financial base to begin with to go in on top of. Um, but you've got your man, was it Randy Lerner? At, at yeah, Lerner at Villa. He fucked them over. You've got, obviously, you've got Hicks and Gillette with us. He fucked us. They, they fucked us over. Um, and then you, you, you went on, you had, um, FSG and we were going, well, you know, what's this going to be like? You know, you can't really blame us because it was obviously the first time we'd gone in for foreign ownership and we'd, we'd, we'd been really badly burnt. Um, we'd, we'd almost ended up, you know, gone, bankrupt, history. Um, cease to, ceasing to be so, so you couldn't get much worse than that. Um, but you know, Neil, did it ever feel to you like we were going under? I never actually, but you know, even though we're in courts and all the rest of it, I didn't think it I, 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 yeah, such an institution, somebody was bound to bias, and yeah, and the way it, it like, kind of worked in the end, you're talking about, we, we were talking about there. Hexen Gillette fighting it was that basically they broke away from the rest of the board and tried to challenge it, but basically the court sided with the the rest of the board and and basically at the end of the day, what it boiled down to was that um, RBS got their money and nobody else gave a shit about it, and the other two could make as much noise as, as they wanted. The British courts were basically saying we all all we needed done here was RBS. Um, essentially, regular. RBS essentially RBS had repossessed the club from Hexen Gillette. That's it. And they could sell it for whatever they wanted. And all they wanted back was their 350 million. And what they got, obviously, I don't know what, what was paid, but it was a satisfactory amount to level the debt. And therefore that left absolutely, you know, in hindsight, we can see that the, the, the pair of cowboys had no recourse, but they made a lot of noise that they would never leave it alone. And it was just a worry. It was like the rest of their tenure, really. They left in the way that they, they, they governed and they arrived full of hot air, full of shit. With nothing to back it up, and you know, good riddance in the end. And you know, FSG have, have of course made their mistakes along the way, but we can thankfully say now at this point that uh, you know the rest has been history. We we we, and despite the teething problems and the and the little maybe fall stones along the way, we've we've built steadily, and they've done the right thing generally, and and we're in a very very good position now. And they're nothing like Hicks and Gillette, thankfully. Um, but, you know, Hodgson... Well, it took a decade, Neil, and, and it took us to have... And, and look, we've done these pods for nearly half that time now, now maybe even more. Um, I think about six years we've been doing these pods. So, you know, over half the time of, of FSG. And there have been mistakes along the way. But the difference is it just shows you how far down we were and what needed done to bring us to where we are. And it, it's a decade project. Oh, 100%, but it shows you... The difference that can be made when you've got people in charge who want to get things right rather than just uh, make money off it or, or strip the club or, or look out for themselves when they actually realize that the best way to enrich themselves is to get is 
ultimate success for for the club, and and that's the ideal scenario, really, isn't it? To have a, a, a you know pe- the people who are in charge of things working their absolute damnedest to 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 produce the best essentially for you because it works out for everyone. And unfortunately, not enough things are run like that. Um, but thankfully, we are at the moment, and you know the right. But to go back to 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 that time and to that match, to that Goodison match, the writing's on the wall from then instantly. And I, I don't correct how many. It's what three, four more games until he he goes. I think um, it goes on a little bit after that. Um, he you know he says things like oh, you know I just don't understand what some of the words that are coming out of his mouth like at this point in time. Um, Can I ask you too? Did you stop watching at any point, or did did, did your enthusiasm wane quite a bit? Because mine did during the Hodgson era. I, I, there was games I didn't watch. A hundred percent. I was actually away for a, while, a good while of it because that was the year I was getting married and I got married away. I was away for about a month, maybe maybe even six weeks. So I didn't really see that much football uh, from from October onwards, really. I think I was more interested in what was going on off the pitch at the time, to be honest, Dave. And I think I'd accept. Yeah, but I'm talking about actual. You know, you know the way we watch these games religiously, and 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 you know the the opportunities there now to 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 watch them. The opportunity still was there, but I was I was I was half in and half out. I was broken by by the, the circumstances. You know, I get what you're saying, and I think for me it was kind of the same. It was kind of the same. You know. 14, 15 for me were, you know, after fairly early on in the season, you were kind of like, you know, which way it's going to go. And you're not, you know, you're not going to break your back to watch a match. Whereas you would now. And, you know, I wasn't ever at that time, I wasn't ever going to, you know, spend the fortune to try and get myself over to Anfield four or five times a season. That just wasn't going to happen during that time. And it was, it was like, it was almost like the death of something. It was the death of something great and the death of something that had brought you so much joy. And it was like every time he said things like a famous win at Bolton and um, that, you know, our form is... Because in his head, he was managing Crystal Palace. He wasn't yeah, managing you know, Liverpool. Our our form our form is one of the best in the league when actually we we won seven out of eighteen points in in December and nine defeats in the first first half of the season wasn't it nine defeats in seventeen games or something yeah his his win ratio is in the low low thirty percent yeah thirty three percent or something yeah I think it's I think it's it may even be lower than Sunes's. Um, and I know it's not a massive sample size, and let's be honest, thank fuck it isn't a massive sample size. We were in uh, the when when we lose at Goodison, where where the uh, Phil McNulty on the BBC describes us as firmly rooted in the relegation zone. Yeah, Liverpool and, Football Club relegation zone. And to say Liverpool Football Club were in a relegation zone, it it hasn't been a gradual decline. It has been of falling off of a cliff. A free it's, foot, yeah. it's like who who won the Champions League? Who who's in the Champions? It basically it's kind of like um, Athletic, Atletico Madrid 
um, being in the in the relegation zone now. Um, and just okay, as well, you know, through the Rafa era, yes, we had our times where we, where, where we could have challenged for the league and when we came second, but we always had the escapism of the European Cup, and this is what you know, and 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 we lost it from from the, from this time, and and we're only really back now at a position where we 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 think it's our God-given right to be back in it again, and it used to be our God-given right to be in it, uh, even whenever you had to win the league, it was our God-given right to be in it. That European adventure that Rafa gave us is something that that papered over a lot of cracks. There was no papering over where we, where we find ourselves at this time. No, and I think we, we could always look at Rafa, and we could always we regardless of what you thought about Rafa, and I understand that people thought of his tactics were really negative, and that you know we should be let off the leash, etc. But there was no denying that Benitez was an elite trophy winning manager who had succeeded at the highest level of the game. And on the other hand, you had Roy Hodgson when asked, this, do his uh, methods translate? He's rhyming off a bunch of teams like my methods translated at Halmstead and I don't know what other older garden or that he might be a footballer or something. I, but, you know, and it's, it's like, it's like a David it, you, we could call Roger, or Rogers David Brent, but this is like a David Brent moment where you're listening to what is coming out of his mouth and you're like, you're sitting there speaking like you're, you know, Fabio Capello and you're rhyming off the names of teams like AC Milan and Juventus and Real Madrid when actually you're naming a whole fucking bunch of teams that have played in like Norway and Sweden and fucking Switzerland and, and things like that. And it's like, your he made England is, manager, Dave, you know? Just saying. He made, <laughs> and, and, he, and he managed England to one of the most embarrassing tournament performances <laughs> in their history. No, 100%. And he went on to he went on to display to, to some England fans, at least with a little bit of noise, why Liverpool fans have a, a, a strong and deep-seated dislike for him and why they're right to have. But listen... Roy Hodgson, he wasn't going to change for us. He didn't get us. He didn't want to get us. He was against the fans. He was against the idea almost of, of Liverpool Football Club being expectant. And, you know, he is, you know, you're absolutely right. Watching his, his team was, was sad. It was like watching the end of something. And, and, you know, to be honest, it, it was the end of something. It was the end of, of, of that incarnation of Liverpool. It was the end of that ownership of Liverpool. It was the end of Rafa Benitez's tilt at, at, at trying to deliver the, the ultimate prize for the club, which had sort of ended in, in tatters. And, and Roy Hodgson was the, you know, that, 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 that kind of leader that comes in when, when, Shit's already hit the fan and, and, you know, the empire's already crumbled and cracked and, you know, he's ruling, ruling over the ruins and ends up somebody else comes along and establishes something new. And, and that's what FSG did. You know, they came along, they bought the club and within a couple of months, there's a new manager in and, and thankfully, 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 Roy Hodgson's time can be forgotten and relegated to a footnote in, in, in our, Club's illustrious history. 
Well, it's, a, it's one that's worth reminding ourselves of, of what the lowest point looks like at the same time, Neil. It can't be completely discounted. Totally. Rock bottom. That was rock bottom. That was days from administration, even though we, we, we always believed somebody would buy us, and they did, and there were always offers. But it was still literally days from administration. It was relegation zone stuff. It was having a a, a manager there who inspired less, no confidence whatsoever. It was being in the doldrums. It was signing terrible players. It was being out of Europe. It was being forgotten about. It was being seven. It was being, you know, it was being nobody. It was being beaten by a fourth tier team in the first competitive round of the League Cup at home. It was about being embarrassed by Everton. And, and calling them formidable. Having them singing. They were singing going down. And <sighs> if... You know, in another lifetime, that at that point, that didn't really seem that. We were, as I said, rooted in the relegation zone at the time. So they were having he their... Had, he had to go. He had to go, and he did go. And go he fucking went, and I rejoiced. Yeah, and I think from, from the ownership, Dave, I think potentially that was one of the first times where you saw that the ownership were reading the fan sentiment, and they... Coming from a place of ownership where they just did not get the club. They saw it as a cash cow and they absolutely fucked it. Hodgson absolutely did not get the club. He was like, he was basically like Stuart Downing who came in, put the shirt on and just couldn't deal with the weight of the shirt on his back and reverted the type. And instead of him raising his expectations of what he wanted to achieve for himself, he tried to dampen everybody else's down. And yeah, but, but it's worth saying as well, Dave, at this time, you know, just in this transition period and FSG have taken over, FSG did engage the fans quite a bit. Well, this a, is what an I mean. awful lot, actually. And, and, the, and the, this is what I mean, Dave. This is what I mean. The, um, after them seeing that and understanding the fan approach, they, they got rid of the manager and they probably a quick fix, but a really smart move where they looked to someone who would galvanize the fan base and who would create a feel good factor around the club because that was the one thing that they could do without any sort of knowledge of the game or any sort of understanding about how the league or a football club worked. That was the one thing they knew would bring a lift to a club that was in dire need of it. Well, I think from their engagements, they realised, I think the the, the biggest realisation, the biggest thing that they took out of that was just how fractured, you know, we, we covered at the beginning of the pod, just how fractured the fan base was because like the, the ghost of Rafa Benitez rumbled in, in, in the background for all of us. It wouldn't go away because of what we had in Hodgson. So when, when he engaged with the likes of the fan groups and different fan groups and the, the board were going and meeting them, um, I, I think that that message was the loudest that came back at them. You know, this is, this is a really fractured thing. What can we do to, to bring these people together? Um, you know, we need an icon to bring these people together and, you know, the rest is history. But that was the first sign of them, that them willing to go and willing to learn. And I think, it, you know, in hindsight, again, looking back now, we can say, well, they started on the right foot. Yes, they made the mistakes, they learned from them. Um, but, but even their starting position was quite good. Yeah. And, and to be, to be fair to all parties, they continue to make their mistakes, but on, on the same, token they continue to learn from them as well and the furlough decision is just the most recent example of that and 
Keith, we probably didn't know it at the time, and it was just a great sense of relief at the time. But after all of our suspicions and concerns and uncertainties had kind of died down, and we rode the back of of the feel good factor. Looking back on it now, that that the end of that Hodgson era and the end of the Hickson Zilla era really is it really is a watershed moment for this football club. Hundred percent. It was the end of it was the end of that um, of that era. You know, I mean, we um, we talked last time about whenever sell, selling it actually to Hicks and Gillette, and that was moving on from kind of local ownership and, and kind of at least in some way fan ownership. But yeah, I mean, that was, you can almost kind of look at that first foray as a as a bit of an aberration, and and really. You know the the coming of FSG is a new era. They they bought the club from the bank. They didn't buy the club from from Hicks and Gillette, did they? As you said, the bank repossessed the club. So it was almost it's almost a, a blank slate, and and it, it it is a watershed moment because they started from the had to start from nothing. We've had to start from nothing. We had to start from from you know the doldrums. Seventh place in in from Rafa. Paul Kinteskis and Joe Coles and uh, a disaster of a squad. Like it's a disaster of a squad, you know. The the the, the you know from the from the two thousand eight two thousand and nine team to the team that ends up starting the um, or finishing the ten eleven season. It's a far far cry. Like <laughs> really, yeah. Alonso's gone. Mascherano's gone. Torres is soon to go, and that Arbelo is gone. I think at that point, or, or goes shortly, certainly. Yeah, Arbelo on uh, Hodgson. Arbelo and, and, and Riyad is gone. You know, loads yeah. of And there's there's a there's a stripping of the the real spine and quality of that team and. What you have left are the spare parts, the the couch and the babbles and the players like this that essentially fit into that system. Maxi Rodriguez, the, I think, was uh, still there at that stage. Yeah, uh, uh, and and the Lucas Levers and and the boys that the boys that came in and fit in around those star players to make a team. And all you had left were the spare parts and none of the actual mechanisms that made it work. Hundred percent, the core. Had gone from the team except for Gerard, and unfortunately he was to struggle with injuries for the next little little while as well. Um, but essentially the spine of the team was was gone. And and obviously before this, Pepe Reina's form had fallen off a cliff. Probably you know you know it, well, maybe a year before this. Well, a lot of things, but particularly during the Hodgson time, because. Liverpool's entire style of play changed and we stopped playing a high line of any kind. So Reina wasn't able to sweep up. So he was facing a lot more shots. He was a lot deeper. So he was conceding a lot more and it got to the point where it looked like he was conceding from, from the first shot a lot of the time. And, you know, he, he was having a nightmare. He was, he was just having a nightmare. Um, yeah. And, and we are. Don't forget, Reno wasn't the tallest of goalkeepers. He wasn't exactly built for good old-fashioned English football. And no, he's, not a, he's not, not a goal-line goalkeeper. That's not what he's no. for. Not how he played the game. It's not how he plays the game. And he was exposed by Hodgson's deep-lying um, system and, and lack of pace in that side, um, which, you know, 
would expose anyone. And, and we, you know, we suffered. We ended up, as, we, as we've already said, in, in the relegation zone. So we dropped a long, long way. And, you know, I, I guess as far as I'm concerned, I think we've probably said all, all there is to say really on Roy and his time there. I mean, he's, he, he comes in, he, he doesn't really get us from the start. It goes from, he makes bad signings. The results, you know, things go wrong from day one, as we mentioned, Joe Cole red card and very quickly backed up by the hammer and away at Man City. And, you know, we, we, our results are go from indifferent to, to shocking. We end up in the relegation zone. His sound bites get worse and worse and worse. He ends up attacking the fans pretty much. Uh, the fans start to boom and start staying away. We get knocked out of the cup by a third division side or something. I, I think at some point, isn't there a Hodgson for England chant from? Yeah, and he get yeah roundly booed, and there is Hodgson for England. There's all kinds of sarcastic chants going on around around Anfield, ringing around Anfield, and you know from day one it's wrong, and thankfully. You know, FSG bite the bullet pretty quickly and 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 move them on, and you know they do go to. They some- needed to fill their stadium again. That was number one priority. They needed their fans back. They needed the fans in the stadium, creating revenue. And that's the difference between a, a company or a consortium or a group that claims to be into sports franchises in inverted commas for their for the sport for the good of the sport and for the good of the club. And uh, those who actually are, you know, they understand that you're not going to have a successful team, club, franchise. You don't have happy fans. You don't have full stadia. You don't have, you know, if you're not all pulling together. So, you know, we we had our cowboy Americans. And thankfully now we've got um, the right kind of sports management ownership at the club. Okay, so... um I think we'll wrap that up there. Uh, next, we'll talk about we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about Kenny. We'll talk about how how the the glory days do emerge from from the ashes and there's some sort of void filled. But we'll leave that very big void behind. And um, Dave, thanks for reliving all of that horrendousness with me this evening. It's nice to remind ourselves just how far far would fall, and it makes where we are today a little bit of happier place. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And see, sometimes you do just have to sit back, and and I think particularly in in the modern day when management cycles last three years and fans flip from one team to another, sometimes you just have to sit back as a you know a long-standing football fan and appreciate where you've actually came from. No, hundred percent. And you know, it's 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 a journey, and. Um Thankfully, we were able to keep on it through this period, and and luckily, it's taken us to you know a pretty happy place now. So hopefully, as we were discussing before this, the Premier League can can somehow manage to finish this season, and we can be uh, crowned champions for the first time in thirty years. Okay, so um, I think we can all echo echo that. And until next time, if this shite doesn't ever end we're going to run out of managers soon but uh, until then for the 18 people that listen to this up the quarantine rates